Five SEO tasks which are better handled on the edge with Chris Green. InSearch SEO podcast is brought to you by Rank Ranger, the all-in-one SEO platform that helps scale your business through data and analytics. Hey, it's David. Today we're going to be having a look at how you can improve the quality of your SEO lives by conducting more of your business on the edge with a jump roper who enjoys scratching his beard thoughtfully while sipping on coffee or whiskey, or maybe ideally an Irish coffee. He's the trainer, speaker, and solver of search problems. A warm welcome to the InSearch SEO podcast, senior SEO consultant, Chris Green. Hello. Thank you for having me, David. Hello, How's Chris. How's it going? Well, very good. Thank you, sir. How are awesome. you? I'm good. Yes, I believe so. Still here. Time is moving at an alarming rate, but uh, we keep doing what we're doing, so it's all good. Well, I'll just share with the listener that you can find Chris over at chris-green.net. So, Chris, you don't sound it, but are you always on the edge? <laughs> um, well, I don't know. As anyone that's done SEO for a decade, I think you're always on a little bit of a knife edge, aren't you? I kind of, yes, short answer, long answer. It depends. No, that's the other short answer. <laughs> it's the, I think having kind of gotten into um, SEO around the time where penguins and pandas started kicking off. Yes, I, I believe I'm sufficiently on the knife edge. Um, I don't think I've recovered from that, if I'm being completely honest. <laughs> I remember you chatting about the edge quite a while ago. So you're certainly one of the prominent thinkers on the topic. So it's great to have you on to discuss this. And today you're going to be sharing five SEO tasks which are better handled on the edge. So starting off with number one, SEO split testing. Fantastic. Yes. So um, testing within SEO has picked up finally a bit more sort of pace. Um, And there are multiple ways of testing SEO from the real simple of deploy it, check with analytics, has it worked, hasn't it worked, which is kind of like the easiest way, which in theory we all as SEO should be doing. But then right the way through to what the edge really works at is um, effectively you know, deploying a change to 50% of pages within a group um, and letting Google view, you know, visit the the test pages and then the control, the unchanged pages. And the part that the edge will help you do is it lets you kind of make changes to page groups on your website without actually changing the code base, adding any additional requirements on the server or the CMS. So it's kind of like adding an extra layer that says, well, actually on these pages, we're going to show people different versions, which you can do at various points in the process. So Edge kind of makes it look as if it's come from the server, which is great for indexing because Google picks it up as if it's just code. You can also do this kind of testing in the client. So by using JavaScript, which is fundamentally less reliable, can work, but you know it's putting a lot more emphasis on Google. So the edge just makes it quicker and just means that the results you get, you can trust more. It's not perfect, but it's a lot, lot better and a lot more robust. So do do most SEOs actually come up with their own scripts or just use simple scripts to actually run these split tests? Or is there specialist split testing software that you would recommend to use in conjunction with the edge? Interesting. So there's uh, there's a kind of, you can go from the sublime to the ridiculous, really. So if you're just talking about the edge, um, I'd say there's probably a handful of players in the space that's established. So SearchPilot, formerly, um, formerly, I forgot, <laughs> ODN. Um, but they, 
that is literally built on edge infrastructure and they've kind of built a CMS or a meta CMS that lets you control all that. And then they piled in all the really smart analytics um, and analysis methodology on top of that. So, you know, I can take absolutely no claim to owning or, or starting this far from it. They're some of the biggest pioneers, I think, in this and, and their thoughts and theories have done a lot to drive it. Um, but what you can do with the edge on all of the different kind of edge infrastructure, Akamai, Cloudflare, um, Fastly, is you can write the scripts to do this yourself. And actually, when you're talking about the edge, what you essentially, to run these tests, what you need is the pages that are going to be the control, the pages that are going to be the test, and then the script that effectively makes the changes for the test version. And the complexities around that depends on how complex is the test. You know, if you're just rewriting page titles, for example, this becomes really quite a straightforward thing to do. I mean, I'm not an edge engineer. Um, I'm an SEO that's too nosy for my own good sometimes. But, you know, these kinds of things, especially Cloudflare, is probably one of the most accessible elements on there. Um, myself and Simon Thompson years ago, back when we were both an agency, uh, built a tool called Spark that was kind of turned out to be more of a beta and a proof of concept, but that was on top of Cloudflare's infrastructure. And that, again, let you deploy testing, split tests on an edge, but essentially for free at that point. But, I mean, that ended up being more of a sandbox. So you can kind of go right the way through from, you know, um, the enterprise-level software to build your own. And then there are some more emergent kind of platforms that you can run this on. But I think as an SEO you need to think about what is the struct, like what's the stack that you're building in. Who else do you need to get on board? You know, if you need to mitigate risk and have, um, you know, uh, publish rights and change histories, then you go down the enterprise option. If you just got someone who's bootstrapped but really wants to test it, build straight on the edge, find someone who can write code for workers, and um, you can test stuff. I sense that we could talk about split testing on the edge for about three hours. Let's. <laughs> Let's move on to the second area that you would recommend as being better and more effective on the edge, redirect management. Yeah, so managing redirects is a pain, usually because if, if you've got large websites or you know lots of different infrastructure, knowing where different redirects are controlled and managed, what order they fire in, whether there are conflicts, that's a nightmare. And, and I think virtually every big org has that problem. Um, and one of the big problems you get is you end up passing people between different servers or different CDN layers in one redirect action, which is really inefficient. And you know, bouncing someone. So if you go through the CDN, go to the server, the server then says, actually, you need to go somewhere else. And then you go somewhere else and then you get redirected somewhere else. It's really inefficient, kind of costly and a nightmare to manage. Now, because of where the CDN or the edge sits, you know, it's, it's the first thing the user will encounter. If you manage all of your redirects by there and ensure that you have um, flattened any chains at that point, which is relatively simple to do. So you, firstly, you can reduce the number of redirects. But secondly, you don't make it to the origin server before it redirects you. So you actually reduce the level of traffic to the origin and the redirect happens a lot quicker straight from that server. Um, and then finally, if you've got discipline and you've implemented it correctly, you just have one place that you need to look for all of your redirects, irrespective of all of the different platforms. Um, and that simplicity, when you instill the discipline in the team, makes it a bit of a no-brainer, to be honest. And number three, bot access logging. Okay, bot access, log access logging is an interesting one. So if you've ever tried to do a log file audit and you've said, I need my access logs to do the analysis, you go to DevOps or whomever, 
most of the time they'll give you a puzzled look or no, that's too big. We don't store it or we store a day's worth or you can have it, but please join a long queue. Um, that That's really challenging. And what's more, if you are running CDN, you know, and caching, you may not, your server access logs may not receive all of the bot traffic anyway. So your logs won't be complete. Everything that goes through a CDN is picked up, all traffic, whether it's cached or not. And if you're using the edge to effectively, you know, store this bot, this this log data and streaming it to a service, so I don't know, Sumo Logic or another kind of storage, you've got the opportunity of siphoning all of that data off again at the edge. So rather than trying to find it from your servers, but it also if you're writing workers in the correct kind of rationale or logic at that point, you can set it to only capture what the bot traffic that you want. So usually Googlebot or search engine bots, but you can do things like validate IP addresses to make sure it's not people spoofing and only collect the access data you need, which greatly reduces the storage space. Um, and some some tools out there, Content King, for example, is one can interface with some CDNs directly to just collect data straight from that level. So assuming you've got the right level of access and DevOps have said, yes, you can start um, collecting those logs directly, which means you can do some far greater tech SEO analysis with relatively little lifting. I'm, a f- I'm, I'm sure that many SEOs for smaller sites, I almost said small SEOs, but I'm sure they're the same height <laughs> as everyone else. But <laughs> small SEOs, big sure websites. Many- <laughs> <laughs> Is there a certain size of website in terms of pages where it only becomes worthwhile to look at log files or should yes. um, every SEO be looking at log files? So, I mean, as a rule of thumb, if your website's under 10,000 pages, I tend to not rely or go for logs straight away, mainly because gaining access to them is, is a nightmare. I think if I can access that data easily and I can an- uh, um, analyze it easily, so any of the big SaaS kind of crawlers, on crawl, botify, deep crawl, etc., they've all got long f- log file analysis. If I can get that data and analyze it, let's do it. But if I'm under 10,000 pages and getting that data is a pain, I'm not going to get too upset. Now, that that page count is kind of arbitrary, but if you're over a million, like half a million, million, million plus pages, then Logfile will have a lot of information and insight that will give you some really nice incremental wins. Under that, probably not worth it. And number four of the tasks to do on the edge, more effective to do on the edge, sitemap building slash management. So yeah, this is again, this is a unique one. So I've had a few projects recently where sitemap generation needs to pull pages from different services, different systems. It's out of date. It's not worked. The engineering to rebuild all that is incredibly challenging. So actually what, what we've done is built a service that pulls API data from a SAS crawler. So it pulls in indexable pages and then builds an XML sitemap on the edge and actually hosts it at that edge point. So we're effectively using the crawler to crawl these sites every day. It builds, regenerates the fresh sitemap every day and publishes it just to the edge. So um, some may say that's an over-engineered solution that, that puts an additional requirement on a third party, and I would agree. But in server, you know, in some situations, it's made so made so much sense to create your single point of truth for sitemaps in one place. Um, you know, without requesting other content APIs and other services that often that data's not clean, it needs filtering and, you know, writing effectively microservices that and then host them on the edge was just far cheaper, far quicker and actually more robust. Um, obviously, the right answer with that is actually build it right the first time, but it just simply wasn't an option. 
we were five years. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, talking about building it right the the first time, is is there a danger with um, automating the building of, of of XML sitemaps for it to include too much rubbish? Y- yes. But actually, I found that happens anywhere. So, you know, if you're working in a CMS, I don't know. I mean, have you a, a, crawled a sitemap and seen test pages? So someone's created yeah. some pages, not put it in the site structure, just left it there. Um, and if the logic that builds the sitemap isn't checking for, is it indexable, um, all of these other elements, these kind of filters, it could still get published in any other way. So I know, you know, if you're on WordPress, you know, Yoast kind of does a lot of that heavy lifting for you. I think WordPress does a lot more in its core than it used to, but other CMSs like Drupal don't take care of it. Um, And very often people will want pages that you don't want to make into the sitemap for various other reasons. So again, it's just making sure you've gotten on top of that and you're building those filters in, which I think that's true whether it's on the edge or not. Um, In fairness, you you still can be feeding data um, to Google that you just don't want it to see. Um, But again, doing it on the edge, very quick and lightweight solution for that. And number five, injecting content. So so what kind of content are you talking about there? Oh, anything potentially. Um, Well, anything web and digital orientated. But so this one kind of overlaps a little bit with the um, split testing in the sense that you're using the edge to add more content in and that content looks as if it's from the server rather than in the client. But um, the I don't know. So if you've ever been involved in a subdomain or subdirectory argument about blogs, for example, um, and you can't pull the blog through in the right infrastructure. Well, um, you can use CDNs to effectively stitch content in. So you can say, well, I want to pull the header from this system, but I want to pull the blog and the blog can- content from that system. Um, and uh, Edge, that can be done very, very quickly, very efficiently. A lot of it gets cached at the Edge, stitched together on the Edge. And then when by the time it's displayed to the user, you don't, you don't know you're you know, effectively got this hybrid content from two different systems. Um, and to be fair, that is something you can do on the origin, you know, with, with the right inclination and buildability, but doing it on the edge, you, you the, the different systems you're pulling from, it almost doesn't matter. It, it's, it's as long as you can clearly identify what it is you need to be pulling in and you can write the code to effectively do that. Um, it takes place, you know, very performant, um, very quick, um, and it gets you what you need uh, to yeah, do. I remember a long, long time ago, um, <laughs> incorporating content uh, using frames, and then oh my goodness, also yeah. incorporating okay. content using PHP includes. Mm-hmm. And both of those are very old-fashioned ways of, of doing this. Are there any downsides to injecting content um, from other sources, other web servers? Will there be any potential SEO downsides from doing that? The key ones are if the uh, if these assets are available on other URLs um, and can be indexed on them, then there is an inherent risk. I mean, that's also equally easy to prevent happening if you're aware that you're trying to, you know, do it. I mean, it, it, in some instances you could just be using data feeds from other services and stitching them together rather than like the old frame set method of having, you know, the header is one page, the body is another page, show them on the same, you know, that's, so you you can kind of, you can build that in quite easily to stop that from happening. Um, I think the, the key one is you need to be receiving content from those two sources reliably and it needs to be cached reliably. Um, I think a lot of, with the edge and the more complicated engineering tasks is what happens if the CDN falls over? What is the fallback? Um, and 
you know, that can be varying in complexity. I think if you're a really big organ, you want significant uptime, like 99.99 or even, you know, the alleged 100%, you, then you, you can actually build other CDNs to fall back. But if, for example, you're relying on your CDN to do the stitching together, there's some CDN issues, you may find that some of those pages just don't work while that's happening. Um, but there is also another chance that, you know, if Cloudflare goes down, half the internet goes down. So um, I think in those instances, it's just, are we serving the appropriate response to Google to get them to come and check back again later once the disruption is gone? So I think that's with anything edge related, that's where the biggest anxiety comes from is what happens if this third party service falls over. Um, but that's the nightmare of any part of web infrastructure. You know, you can never safeguard that. Even if you've got the server in your own office and you feel happy about that, that doesn't, you know, that's quite an old fashioned take on it anyway, but there is no zero risk kind of method of hosting, but, um, you can fall over to others. So you can have dual CDN strategy. So you, you could have Akamai on one layer fastly on another. If Akamai fails, it passes to fastly or vice versa. And I mean, that's incredibly sophisticated and that's an edge case of an edge case, but it's possible to protect against most of this um, if you know what you're doing and you spec it right. I sense a website, uh, a, a webinar discussion panel uh, on um, <laughs> how to actually guarantee 100% uptime. That would be a, an interesting uh, I mean, possibly. But uh, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's possible. It's more possible than it ever has been. I think if you kind of combined um, Cloudflare and an Akamai or Cloudflare and a Fastly or similar, you could get pretty close. Mm. Um which, which would be very interesting. Well, let's finish off with... The, par- the Pareto Pickle. So Pareto says that you can get 80% of your results <laughs> from 20% of your efforts. What's one SEO activity that you would recommend that provides incredible results for modest levels of effort? I think this, is, this kind of nearly made it onto my edge list, but it's not quite, and it's a little bit hacky. Um, so some people will inherently not like this. But using the edge to get something done... So we talked about meta CMSs um, briefly, um, and it's something that the Search Pilot team kind of, and John Olson kind of between them sort of helped show the world. But um, it's you can use the edge to publish changes that otherwise would be stuck in dev queues. And I think this actually getting it done, getting it live, proving the concept, ignore the tech debt risk, and ignore annoying DevOps for a minute because they're both factors, but. Actually, all of the value in SEO is it being live, that content being actioned. And Edge can shortcut that. And it's not pretty and it's not the right way. But, you know, pushing some content changes live, circumventing queues, has great results. If the alternative is waiting six months and it not happening. Great thoughts. Well, I've been your host, David Bain. You can find Chris Green over at chris-green.net. Chris, thanks so much for being on the InSearch SEO podcast. Thanks for having me, David. And thank you for listening. Check out all the previous episodes and sign up for a free trial of the Rank Ranger platform over at rankranger.com.